dear chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Okay, we're letting our intro do some of the work these days. We can dive right in. Definitely don't want to waste any time getting to the good stuff. We've got Maddie Forenza with us today. Hi, Maddie. Thanks for hanging with us today. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me. Super, super excited. So we're going to do a quick intro on you. I found, you know, I I like to Google people we have. um, <laughs> so I Googled you, found okay. out lots of information. Uh-oh. And I also, I um, ended up watching your um, IGTV um, video last night before bed. So um, that was pretty interesting. Um, so Maddie's been a firefighter paramedic in Southern California for almost 20 years. And I hear you also run calls in Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just got back from Disney yesterday. So luckily we didn't need to call the paramedics. Yeah. But it would have been, been fun to meet you in person, not right? under the circumstances. So. Yeah. <laughs> so 10 years into the job, Maddie started having anxiety, stress, depression, and PTSD from some pretty substantial calls and then had a significant back injury, started using alcohol and pain meds as a way to self-medicate. And so he ended up seeking treatment through a program. He's now a keynote speaker, mental health facilitator, outreach specialist, and meditation speaker, meditation teacher, teacher, not yes. speaker. That's, that's a lot. Oh my gosh. And there's a few more on there too. I think I have, I think I have like five jobs now. <laughs> okay I can barely handle my two so um right? good for you <laughs> yeah well it, it's man I I'm each one of them is is a blessing um and I really you know I never thought at the beginning of my career that that I would be standing in a in a room full of my peers talking about the stuff I talk about and being like the expert on it um mm-hmm. but it's just the way life took me <laughs> You know, so, you know, uh, a couple more. Th- I mean, I'm, I got asked to be on the um, the board of trustees for the Orange County Family Justice Center. I'm the first firefighter that was that's ever been asked to do that. And because a lot of it is uh, a lot of uh, it's, you know, it's for abused women and children. Yeah. Wow. And that's where kind of my story started. So, uh, you know, that just to name a few more. That's a, that's another one. So, yeah, you know, I, I, it keeps me busy. And that's that's a good thing for me. <laughs> and you are also married. I'm married, yes. And do you have kids? I have three three sons. Oh my goodness! So I you guys are busy. Yeah, super busy. Yeah. Super busy. You know, I I um, it's it's just it blows my mind to even hear people talk about it or 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 um have this discussion because you know you know a little over four years ago, um, no one wanted my opinion on anything. 
you know, I wanted to die every day. True story. So that's a really great segue into my first question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to let you tell us a little about yourself and your story. Okay. I'll give you the, the reader's digest version. <clears throat> um, so, I mean, I like to mention this stuff because it's, it's super important. I, um, I get to work with some of the people that are, you know, tip of the spear when it comes to solving the, the suicide epidemic um, that we're having amongst veterans and first responders. And, and you know, just right out of the gate, um, for the patient population of veterans and, and first responders that are committing suicide, it's, it's, they're suffering from what we call complex PTS or complex PTSD. And um, that is, it's a, it's a, it's a mix of two things, childhood trauma and moral injury, right? Moral injury is essentially what the stuff we see on the job that needs to go in the, this stuff don't make sense pile, you know, that most people never experience or witness. <clears throat> so the, the combination of those two is, is what we call complex PTS. So, you know, I was born in Riverside, California. My dad was a, a Vietnam vet, Marine, um, Orange County Sheriff, uh, Sergeant, and, um, and I had a stay at home mom, you know, Irish, Italian, Catholic family. And uh, there was a lot of turmoil in the house. My dad left when I was three months old and my mom remarried twice. And, and we lived, you know, um, all over Southern California in some really not so nice neighborhoods. And, um, you know, and I struggled as a kid, um, was in, in fear a lot about where we were gonna end up you know, um, whether or not the bills could be paid. Like I just, I, I had, I kept secrets for my mom, you know, I just had to grow up really, really quick. And, um, so a lot of the, a lot of my PTS came from, from childhood, you know? And so I, I met, um, I was in high school, just graduated high school. I met her and, um, her name's Shannon. And, um, you know, her, I just, I wanted to be with this woman. I wanted to stay with her. I was living at my sister's house because I ran away from home when I was 13. My sister took me in. And, and uh, so I was like, you know, I, I got to do something with my life. You know, the punk rock um, singer band thing is not, I don't think that's going to pay off. <laughs> and, um, but I was still, I was going to college. And so her mom was a purchasing agent for the, for the forest service. And, and she was always talking about base camp and fire camp and, and uh, I never thought about the fire service. You know, there were parts of me that always wanted to be of service. You know, I thought about, you know, joining the military. I came really close to becoming a Marine like my dad and, and, uh, and thought about, you know, law enforcement. And it just, there was just something that it didn't sit right, you know. So when this was brought to me, I was like, how come I never thought about this? So uh, long story short, I, I spent about... Um, I spent about five years, five to six years from the time I decided I wanted to be a firefighter until the time I actually got a probation, um, you know, working really hard, working a 40 hour week job, you know, going to the gym afterwards, taking one or two classes at the local community college. And, and I finally, um, I got hired with the city of Anaheim. Um, I completed a, a successful probation. I put myself on the West end of town, which is the busy side of town. Um, it's the side of town that Disney doesn't put in their brochures, if you know what I mean. And, um, 
<laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think they built a huge, they built a huge wall on that side of the resort. <laughs> Literally. Um, no, seriously, they did. I know. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Don't walk that way. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I put myself there because I wanted, I wasn't a medic yet. I wanted to go to medic, medic school, like really bad. I, I wanted to be a paramedic. That was part of my, my gig. And, and so, you know, to, to do that, I had to, you know, put myself at the busy stations and that's what I did. And, and, you know, I, I was a new dad and a new firefighter in the same year. And it's funny because I never thought about that until I was asked that question on another podcast. This kid had done some research and he asked me that question. I was like, wow, man, I, you know, that was, he's like, what was that like? I'm like, God, it was hard because my wife at the time, Shannon, who's um, the mother of all three of my, three of my sons, she, you know, after I got off probation, she handed me a, a six month old, you know, she's like breast milk's in the fridge. I'm going off to nursing school. Here you go. Figure it out. You know, and I've come home uh, from a 72, you know, on engine four, which was very busy, just fried. And I'd have this kid and I mean, we did it, we made it, but a lot of the time I wasn't present, you know, I was always somewhere else, um, which, you know, I was there, but I wasn't there yeah. for, for a lot of my kids, you know, young life. Um, but you were all caught up to me. Um, essentially I made a lot of bad choices in my dissociation and, you know, dissociation is just a fancy way of saying how we numb out, you know, what, what do we do? Uh, when the doors are down, when no one's looking to, to shut this thing off. And when I say this thing, I mean, our brain, right? Because essentially what we're dealing with here, and when I teach this stuff to, to especially first responders, I'm like, listen, if you don't like the sound of mental health or behavioral health, let's just call it brain health. Because essentially, that's this is this is the issue. It's all brain health, right? We we there's science behind what what happens to us, and how do we know we, we're drifting when the when the organ we use for cognition is what's injured, you know? So when I put it that way for for people, especially for, like I said, first responders, they start to listen. It's like, oh, okay, I, I can get behind that, right? So. So I started experiencing what we know now as the signs and symptoms of, of post-traumatic stress. And, and like I said, my coping skills were terrible. They're the ones I, I learned um, when I was younger. And, and so it, uh, that led up to a divorce um, and it was a gnarly one. And, uh, and then things got, things got even worse. And then I, you know, I couldn't get, I couldn't get out of bed um, <laughs> at the station after a long night of calls and, and uh, because of a back injury that got worse and worse and worse and worse. And um, so I had to have surgery. And, and when I was laid up um, with the back injury, you know, you take, you take a, a first responder who's hypervigilant, you know, and, and by that, I mean the parts of our brain that dump um, these chemicals. So we have an amygdala in our brain, two of them. And that's the part of our brain that's responsible for dumping cortisol adrenaline, melatonin, and all these things into our body to put ourselves in that fight or flight response, which happens a lot to first responders, like a, a lot more than guys are even, and gals are even aware of. And so our amygdalas grow and those things are on hyperdrive all the time. And we have a hard time going back into 
into our parasympathetic nervous system. And that's, that's kind of the science behind it. So you take a person who's hypervigilant and you lay them up in a bed in pain. Um, it's a recipe for disaster. And I had a lot of like really horrible things going on at that time. So, um, you know, the, the ideation got really bad during that time, uh, suicidal ideation. I just wanted to shut this thing off, you know, and, and I, you know, suicide became an option, you know, and I started looking for the exit. Um, gosh, I was after, after an attempt, um, during a, a long night of drinking, um, I ended up, uh, going to a culturally competent clinician, which I'll say that again, a culturally competent clinician, which is super important. And we're getting mm -hmm. better at that. Um, but we got, we got to go to people who know our culture because as first responders, knowing what we know and, and experience what we've experienced, you, we walk in to see a, you know, a therapist and they don't know what a, what a 120 is or what the app floor is, or, you know, and we're looking, we're looking for, for them to not know so we can pull the ripcord and not have to do it, you know? So, um, you get a, you get a, a clinician who knows us and knows our culture. It's just, it's, you're, you could be more successful. You know, I went to one and I like to say when I do these things too, that the city of Anaheim did the best they could with the, what they had at the time they, they did. And so, but I went to a therapist at one point I reached out for help a couple times and um I had a, a therapist tell me that I I needed some she diagnosed me with PTSD and said I needed um some Xanax and a good lawyer oh Jesus good <laughs> night <sighs> so um finally made it to a culturally competent clinician through the counseling team in international um uh, her name's Shauna Hill um she's a colleague of mine now we it's crazy how our how these things all kind of ended up, but, um, I went to her twice and, um, she ended up sending me to a, a five and a half day, um, program, a veterans organization that took first responders called save a warrior. And, um, uh, I can go on and on and on and talk about this, this organization. Um, I'll just, I'll stick to the, to the, uh, the quick about them. Cause I mean, they're definitely my heart. This, uh, these you volunteer with them now, right? I, I do heavily. I, um, yeah, they, so it, it's, it's, they have it down to three and a half days now, but it was five and a half days in Malibu when I went. Um, and it's all warrior led. There are no, there are no clinicians there. It's not the medical model at all. And, um, and so, you know, we, we did equine therapy and we walked labyrinths and they taught me how to meditate and we processed my childhood trauma with other men that I just met, you know, basically told me what you said, what you said you, uh, you'd take to your grave is what's killing you. And I, you know, when they said, Hey, you're going to sit in this circle with, you know, 12 other guys that you just met and you're going to talk about what happened to you when you're a little kid and you have six minutes. I was like, get me out of here. Like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I don't know if I, if I knew, I don't know if I'd gone you know, cause I would still be thinking like a lot of first responders do. That's not the problem. You know, yeah. the issue, the issues with my family issues when I was a kid, it's, it's not the problem. And then you hear the stories cause we're all cut from the same cloth. You know, the plot thickens when it mm -hmm. comes to why a lot of us choose the, the careers that we choose. 
Yes. You know, it's just, I, there's so much research being done about this stuff now. It's, you know, it's, it's going to blow our minds here um, <laughs> moving forward. But ultimately what's going to happen is that I think we just, we just need to get better at the new folks that are, you know, getting on, getting on the force, you know, join the fire service are, are doing some kind of therapy, um, processing that stuff before they, you know, before they hit the moral injury part of it. I think that's going to, that's going to be huge, you know, and, and that's all about culture and, and stigma and, and making it normal, you know, so I can go off a tangent about that too. So I, you know, I went to, so I did that, you know, I, I, I off gas that stuff and I felt better and I left, um, after that week, um, and I had burned my whole life to the ground. I mean, everything. I was sleeping on a mattress. Um, I was sleeping on a mattress at my buddy's house. Uh, he was renting, renting a room to me in Laguna Beach here where I live. And um, I mean, I had like, I had caught like three court cases. I was off on the back injury. Um, I just, I had burned, you know, a lot of relationships. Um, it was just, my life was a mess. And it was all about just getting up every day and making my bed and doing my meditation. Like literally, like if that's all I did for the day, then I was winning, you know, and, and I slowly got, you know, another thing done, another thing accomplished. And, and, you know, life started looking I, the ideation went away. Um, you know, they told me if you meditate every day, Matt, you're not gonna think about killing yourself. And that was true. So I really took, I really took to the meditation like big time. I made sure that I did that every day. And then, you know, um, I went out one night, gosh, so I went to Save Warrior in May, 2017, and um, and in August it took that long for me to realize that um, the drinking might be a problem. <laughs> um, I'm an alcoholic in recovery, and we're always the last to to, to know. <laughs> I could laugh about it now because um, I've been sober for four years. Do you mean that everyone around you knew? And uh... yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You know, I was the life of the party you know, mm -hmm. early on, but that stuff just, it works until it doesn't work anymore. And then it, you know, and it, it stops eventually. So, um, I went out for, you know, for just one and, um, this was in August and things were, things were kind of looking up. I was, you know, I was getting, I was feeling better physically, um, kind of thinking that there might be a chance that, um, that I can make it back to work, you know, which I had given up on and, you know, as a matter of fact, I had my papers in to medically retire and Brian Haggerty from Save a Warrior, he, um, when we had the phone call to see if I was a candidate to go, he said, Hey, call the lawyer and, and hold off on, on the medical retirement. Um, sorry. For and, all of you listening, Maddie also has a puppy, um, yes. that they're training to be a service dog. So mm -hmm. puppy, puppy's not very happy that, um, dad's not paying attention to him right now. I know he's back there just whining. <laughs> so funny. We're dog lovers, so we don't mind okay. at all. Okay, perfect. Um, so let's see. Oh yeah. He, he's like, hold, call the lawyer and hold off on the medical retirement. Tell him to hold the paper so we get you on the other side of this. And I, rem I remember thinking to myself, yeah, right. You know, like who is this guy? Number one, number two, you know, the job is the reason for all my problems, which I thought, right. And I was wrong partially but not completely all of it and um and so i but i did it you know I, I this organization didn't give me any reason not to trust them you know they they showed me in a couple different ways that that 
they were doing it because they cared. They actually, you know, they actually cared about me, not even knowing me. And, um, and so I trusted them, you know, and, and when you're hypervigilant um, and you have PTS, trust is a very difficult thing to, to do. <laughs> very difficult. You know, you get a little paranoid. You know, I got a little paranoid and thought that everybody was out to get me. And, you know, it just, it goes along with the, with the injury. So um, anyways, I, I went out for, for, uh, for one night of drinking and um, it turned into a, you know, a crazy night um, where I was yelling at the wife, the girlfriend at the time, uh, I tried to jump out of the car while I was moving. And uh, I woke up that, uh, that morning and I remember looking over at her, you know, I was hungover and, and I said, I think I'm an alcoholic, you know, <laughs> she's like, you think it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. You think, you think, huh? And uh, yeah, cause I mean, at Save Warrior, they were talking about sobriety and 12 step and, you know, and even back, even at the, um, because there was, I was, there was so much to my experience at Save Warrior that, um, you know, off gassing all that stuff about, about um, my childhood and, and, you know, grieving and mourning, you know, cause I would, they taught me that post-traumatic stress is just a bunch of unmourned grief. And I believe that to this day, cause I cry a lot now, you know, there's just that I was cracked open and, and uh, just that all that process just needed to happen because it wasn't happening, you know? And so, um, you know, I kind of, my dad's passed away now. He, he died when he was 53 years old. He had a massive heart attack and just had to forgive that man, you know, which I wasn't prepared to do at the time. and didn't even know that that was what was bothering me. So, um, I've done that kind of, you know, my mom and I have a great relationship today. I just, um, and, and that stuff's, that stuff's important and has everything to do with it. So, uh, let's see, a couple days after that night of drinking, I ended up in 12 step. Um, and I've been in the rooms ever since, um, which is, you know, when it comes down to my daily practice, which is really important to my healing. Um, that's a big, big part of it is, um, going to meetings, being of service, you know, having a sponsor, sponsoring other, other men. And, uh, and so, um, it's, it kind of started there and I was kind of in between the trapezes. I didn't know if I was going to, if I was going to have a job, you know, um, or not. And, uh, but I was, I was going to meetings every day, sometimes three and I was meditating every day. And, and I was, there, there was just a point in, in time there where I just thought, you know, whatever happens, whether I lose my job or cause I got myself in trouble, I got a DUI. And, uh, I'm like, if I lose my job, I'm going to be okay. You know, and whatever life throws at me, like I have the support system, you know, the, the guys I went to save a warrior with, and then all the alumni and, and then, I, and I have 12 step and, and, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be okay. I'll, we'll figure it out kind of thing. And, and, and so, um, I started telling my story, um, at 12 step meetings and, and I just got really good at it. And, 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 you know, and I could go on, on and on and on about all these little things that happened that I call God shots, um, that got me back to work. Um, and then, you know, just people started, you know, coming to me under, you know, under the radar about my healing, what changed. Cause I, I mean, I was a totally different person when I came back. And um, like totally different person, 
you know, I just, I just wasn't, I wasn't the same guy. And I, and then, you know, something inside me was like, just, I just didn't want, I just didn't want my brothers and sisters in service to suffer the way I was suffering. And so um, I went back to save a warrior and I was like, whatever you guys want me to do. Like, I, I didn't understand why, why people volunteered. And one of the things they taught me, they taught me a lot. But one of the things they taught me is that if you, um, if you go out and be of service um, without your uniform on, expecting nothing in return, your life will get better. And it did, you know, and I, I didn't, you know, in my, you know, egotistical, you know, alcoholic firefighter who liked to play God life. Um, I didn't understand why people would volunteer to do anything. Like if you're going to, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to get paid time and a half to do it. Right. And, and now like, I, I mean, my paid leave hours are so low because I do so much um, out there because I absolutely love it, you know? And, and so I went back and, you know, I was like, I want to be a shepherd for safe warrior. That's what they call the folks that help um, navigate the, the curriculum you go back and tell your story in gnarly detail. And, and um, they're like, before you do that, man, you got to, you know, put in some time, do your own work, you know, get some sobriety under your belt. So I would, if they put up the, uh, the tent somewhere um, at a, at a fundraiser or a golf tournament, like I was there, I would go, I'd stand in the tent. I talk about my experience. Um, I, you know, to sell t-shirts, whatever. I just, and, and I, I really fell in love with, with, uh, some of the men who, um, who helped me, who were part of that organization is my, one of my best friends, uh, Jeff Henson, who lives behind me, gave, gave me a ride to save a warrior actually. Um, so, and that was the thing I was, I was so abused by men growing up. And so my, my whole MO was like, I got this, like, I don't need men, men in my life. Like I got this and I didn't have this, you know, it's very important that men have other men in their life that can, that can help, um, you know, guide them through things and, and they can bounce stuff off of them. And I'm talking about like good men, good men that are making good choices that are working on their own healing. And I have that today, you know, and, and, and those men all came from that organization. So I got to hang out with these guys. I got to observe what they, you know, what they did, how they made decisions. Um, you know, and in that I, I went to a, a 10 day Vipassana meditation. Um, it, it's like, a, it's a course it's the technique the Buddha taught in its purity. Um, it's 10 days. You take a vow of silence, you eat vegan and you meditate 18 hours a day. And, um, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I've done two. I like to do one a year. This is the technique that I do now. Um, and, and, uh, it's a huge, huge part of my healing. So I did that with a bunch of guys from Sable Warrior. And, and so, um, you know, I just, I started, I started kind of helping people under the radar and then that turned into, um, then finally asked me to, to be on the peer support team. Um, and then I was asked to, to get, uh, or to, to start a, a 12 step meeting at a, um, at a treatment center that was starting a, um, a first responder only program. And, um, from a friend of mine, who's a, who's a clinician. And when I got to, to know, um, the doctor who started his name, uh, Stephen Odom, um, and I was like, listening to what they were, what their ideas were. And, you know, and I was like, man, I could totally get behind this. I want to do more than just start a meeting. Like, let, tell me how I can help you. And um, because I, it was just the, what he was talking about is everything I would have wanted when I was like really bad, you know, to understand that 
the the alcohol and the drugs are just a symptom of the thing under the thing under the thing, which is the trauma. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we built a treatment center in Newport beach, um, first responder wellness by simple recovery. Um, I remember just, we'd get one or two clients and, and, uh, we worked really hard. You know, I just, I started door knocking. I called unions and all the people that I knew around Southern California. And then, and then my business partner and I, uh, Devin, we started going out, flying, um, you know, we went to Nevada, we went to Arizona, we we're just door knocking fire stations and law enforcement agencies and just telling them who we were and, and what we were doing and um, inviting them to the treatment center so they can see it and tour it. And now we've, uh, we've built some, something pretty amazing. We made a really, um, really good name for ourselves. Uh, we're helping a lot of people and we're like really become the experts on, on a lot um, about what it's like to, um, to get our first responders healthy and back to work, you know, and, uh, and then I, you know, I go speak all over the country, uh, up and down the state, um, at a lot of academies. I got hired by the, by Santa Ana college as an adjunct professor. Um, I teach the mental health portion of the basic fire Academy and I, um, and then they send me out to all the, uh, departments that they have, um, contracts with, uh, wellness contracts to teach meditation. So I teach warrior meditation, which was taught to me at save a warrior. And, um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, um, Elizabeth and I, my wife, you know, she was my girlfriend at the time. Um, you know, really, we had a very tumultuous relationship to say the least. Like, um, she saw something in me. I didn't see in myself. That makes me cry every time. <laughs> every time it doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, she should be long gone and she stuck around. And, uh, you know, our relationship today, uh, it looks nothing like it did back then. I mean, she works on her stuff. I work on mine and, um, and together, you know, we, we uh, do a really good job, you know, and she's gone off and done some other, some stuff in the firewives arena, um, when it comes to peer support and, and whatnot. And so, um, you know, life is really good. It's really, really good. Like, my kids like me, um, you, you know, my ex-wife who I went through the divorce with and she, her and I have a great relationship today, which is super, super important to, you know, a lot of us, um, our, our divorce rate as first responders is it's astronomical. It's really, really sad. And, and, you know, um, to be able to co-parent the kids the way we do, she lives a city over. Um, you know, if you look at, some of the comments on, on Facebook about that uh, healing our own video that I did. Um, she's commenting on there, you know, about um, how she remembers those calls because essentially back then she was the only person I had to talk to about what was really going on. You know, the truth of, of what my feelings were because I didn't talk about that stuff at the department, you know, or with, uh, with any of the guys in my life, you know, I'd be called a sissy or a week or, you know, so that's just the kind of relationship we have today. It's super cool. So in a nutshell, you know, I'm, I'm very busy. Um, it's good for me. <laughs> it's good for me to stay busy and, and, you know, and I just, I like to see the results of other people getting well, you know, um, that's, I think that's the biggest, my biggest takeaway and, 
the biggest blessing I have is that, you know, that someone comes to me struggling and I point him in the direction of recovery, however that looks like for them. And then, you know, six months later, a year later, they're helping other people, you know, and that's, I think as a culture, that's the way out for us. That's what we have to do. This is, this is a, it's a peer to peer boots on the ground, um, you know, kind of organic holistic way of, you know, healing as first responders, you know, we got to, we got to look out for each other, you know, the way we do on, on right. scene. And it, in my opinion, it's a proactive, not a reactive. Right. And we're very spot. reactive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're, totally. we're, we're having a tragedy now. So let's react to the tragedy. But what we should have been doing all along was preparing for the tragedy. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. Especially because we've known about it for a long time. It's, it's like, right. this is, it's just, you know, our culture does not like change. We like tradition and we, and we don't like change, but it's killing us. We're yeah. dying, you know? We're and dying no- or we're getting sloppy and we're getting hurt or yep. we're hurting someone else. It's, yeah. it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah. I think there's, I think it's getting better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. You know, we got a long way to go but we're, we're definitely getting better. Like I said, I do, I do consulting for, for departments because a lot of departments have peer support teams now, or they're just getting them on online. And it's like, but do you know what to do with a person when they raise their hand and ask for help? It's like, Oh, well, how do you get them the time off? You know, cause they, by the time they ask for help, their time, it, their time off is all gone. Yeah. Right? That's the thing about, time. that's the thing about peer support is if you have it in place, but you don't know how to actually do it. Right. You're not doing anything. You know, totally, oh, yeah. yeah, you should go see a counselor, but you don't have any time off for that. Like, yeah. and well, we don't really have a good counselor for you to go to. Sorry, right. sorry. we don't have any available right yeah, now. All, all this one eight hundred number. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, right. So it's just that's why it's so important, you know, for me. You know, some departments are doing really well. Some are some have been kicking the can on the road a little bit longer and are doing really great work. They have wellness divisions like San Diego City. You know, Chief Pacone down there. That guy's amazing. I love that guy. Like. He, they, you get, you have a, an issue in San Diego, uh, San Diego fire. They, they have the help for you and they vet, you know, it's very important to vet out all your resources also. Yes. You know, that's, you know, we want people coming to the treatment center and touring it and meeting the team and seeing it so that they, you know, so they know where they're sending their folks, you know? Right. So, but yeah, we just, we need to build algorithms into our, into our policies and procedures that, that line out what we do and where we send folks. You know, so, you know, like I said, we're getting better. It's just, you know, in your opinion, go ahead. Is peer support a daily practice or, or something that we should be doing in our departments on regularly? Like my personal feeling is resilience training happens every day. Yeah. Um, it's not something that we just do once a year. (laughs) Right. <laughs> we should be sitting. I, I, my dream is that every fire department after every call sits down around the table and talks it out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think, the way we get healthy as a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. This is it's not a it's not a yearly. It's not a, you know, May is mental health month. Let's do a stand down for suicide kind of thing. Right. It's, you know, um, it's a, it's a day. Like I, like I mentioned, I have my daily practice and my daily practice is important. And, and I think, 
Um, as a culture, we need to have a daily practice that includes shutting off the stupid TV, which I yes. do every chance I get and sitting down and having some kind of a check-in. You're right. You know what I mean? Because, right. because things affect people differently, different mm-hmm. calls. You know, you might think this, this one call you go on is benign, but your buddy might've been really affected by it. So just to vo- give that voice and um, in some way uh, that's safe, right? free Mm -hmm. of judgment um we can help we can help a lot i think you're absolutely right you know and then in in training you know there's so there's so much good training out there we i offer a lot um through shift wellness um and uh we just the departments just need to spend the money they need to spend the money on mental health training we need to get people doing some kind of um you know check-in every day you're right so well i think that's the bigger the you just nailed it the bigger issue is they don't want to spend the money and most wellness parts of the fire department are not funded. Right. So yeah. <laughs> let's talk about how we don't, I mean, there's plenty of departments in this state and around the country that don't have the money. I mean, right. their cities are struggling as it is and they're cutting departments um, resources left and right. And I guarantee you if there was a mental health line item, it's probably gone now. Right. They're so it should be the only line item is, I mean, the, the, it should be the top line item because you're not going to have firefighters that are going to be able to serve if you don't take care of their mental health first. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, you're, you're cutting their, their tower for um, live training, I can only imagine, you know, cutting their target safety of that one hour of mental health that they have to do for their CEs. You know, it's, it's right. uh it's frustrating. Um, very, very, because I, you know, I, I tell guys, listen, if, um, if, you know, we have all these solar panels going on everyone's homes now, right. It's like, if, mm-hmm. if solar panels were blowing up on calls and killing us while we're on the roof, we'd have all kinds of training about solar panels. Yep. Like we really would. I mean, cause that's, that's the macho thing, right. All these things are, you know, this is happening on calls and da, da, da. it's like, we'd have all the training. We'd get all the, you know, we'd be talking about it all the time. We'd be, Mm-hmm. and uh but because it's it's mental health and, and suicide like i don't know i just i think it would be different you know but this is what's killing us it's killing us more than line of duty deaths and it has for the last three years and and that's from the ones we know about right like yeah. we don't even know about a lot of them so you know and not to get in the, in the weeds too much about it but look what happened in la county last week you know mm. All right. So that was going to be one of my questions. You're pretty close to LA County. Right. Um, obviously. How did that affect you personally? Mm-hmm. And what was the first, what was your first reaction? Like mm. to that, like, what was your first thought? That's a, that's a great happened? question. Yeah. So I was, um, I was teaching meditation for the college in Oceanside, the Oceanside fire. And, um, and one of the guys came in and told me what happened. And I was getting some text messages and, and I kind of knew cause I'm on a peer support thread throughout, throughout um, Orange County and LA County. We have these peer support threads. And so I kind of knew that the, ins, you know, the inside information before anybody else did. And, and so how did it affect me? You know what? It, I was, it just, it makes me really sad. 
because oh, um, puppy. I know there he is. <laughs> um, it makes him sad too. Uh, yeah, it it made me really sad because because there's so there's a solution, right? I live in the solution. I'm all about the solution. Um, so it was, yeah, it, it just, you know, I, I go right to the, I go right to the, uh, I stay out of the, the secondary emotions, go right to the sadness because it's just, it's just horrible. Then my next thought was, um, you know, I'm really, really fortunate and blessed to be able to do what I'm doing. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I was like, here I am, this just happened. And here I am teaching meditation to a fire department in San Diego County, you know, and, and teaching meditation to the first responders is kind of a, it's a difficult thing to do. Right. But for whatever reason, um, it's, it's well received, um, in the way I teach it. So I don't think that would, you know, some granola hippie lady went in, with her dreadlocks and smelling like patchouli. Nothing that, not that there's anything wrong with that. I, I love patchouli, but. Um, I, just, <laughs> I love that you addressed that though. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife does, sells essential oils and she covers me in them and I have a diffuser at the station. And so. Ah, so does my husband. <laughs> That's amazing. I cannot get Cameron to like essential oils. I, no. I'm just not about it. He's like, no, turn that crap off. <laughs> can't do it. I know, <laughs> can't you know do it. <laughs> The guys, the guys will come into the, they'll be like, why is the, why does the dorm smell like a Christmas tree farm? And, like, and, then, and then they'll, and then like a week later, Hey Maddie, can you put the, uh, the citrus blend? Yeah. Can, can we do that one tonight? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I that, those were my thoughts. I, and then of course, like everything starts unfolding and we sent, we sent a bunch of, a bunch of folks up there to, to do some debrief, um, with, with the, you know, those folks up there and, and I hear kind of, you know, what they're going through and, and it's just, it's just sad. Like that's, but that's our reality folks. Like people need to understand that, the, that it's a brain injury. Like what a part of that guy's brain told him that it was a good idea yeah to go to the station and shoot his buddy and another person and then go home and kill himself. Yep. Like that was, that became an option and people would, they would poop their pants if they knew um, what went through a lot of our minds. Yep. You know, they really mm-hmm. would. And, and we're human beings. We're not, we're not superheroes. No. And we just, we're not. we have to, we have to take our, we have to take care of ourselves because this is the reality. It's just going to, you know, we're under so much pressure and we're all brain injured and we're, we, you know, we haven't slept and then you add a substance into it and it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And I think we're all pretty fried from the last year and a half of pandemic and crazy political uprising. And I think it just is constantly compounding the issues. And I think, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a lot more of this kind of mental health crisis. Yep. Yeah. We've been, well, we've been in crisis mode last year and and now we're coming down off of it and you know, and, and people tell me all the time, Maddie, why is it, you know, when I was doing this or when I was focused on this or when, when we were in the, when we were in the, you know, whatever it was and we were handling this and this call or that call, it didn't bother me. It was when I was at home 
like trying to mow the lawn or sit on the couch where the panic attack happened. And I'm like, that's how it goes down. Fight or flight. Fight or flight mode. That's it. And that's when it happens. And it, it's when it's when you have to take a second. And that's I, I think you're right. As you know, as a planet right now, we're we're all coming down off this, you know, this crisis mode. And this is when this stuff's going to start showing up. And this is most important for us to be out there, um, you know, working on this mental health thing. You know, they, okay. They, you know. So yeah. you said there's a solution. Right. Or there was a solution. There is. Let's cover what that solution is. Um. <laughs> Okay. Ready? Ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's, there's a lot to it, right? We, we, um, we have to douse our shame with empathy. That's where it starts with ourselves. Right. I mean, that's not really a lot to it, but right. it's, it's very complicated. right? Yes. That's very complicated. Very. Mm-hmm. But I love that. This is bare bones. I'm, I'm handing you the keys to the universe right now. This is my class. I teach people, right? So we're talking about, and, and that empathy, like I said, it starts, it starts with ourselves. We have to be gentle with ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves. We, we have to be empathetic to ourselves before we can show that empathy to other people. So that, and that, that knocks out the shame and shame is what's killing us. You know? Um, so we start there. We have, we have that. And then um, we have a, a community. We need community. We need community to stay out of uh, dissociation. And by that, I mean, you know, for, for those folks that are out there struggling and doing, um, you know, have bad coping skills, you need to, you need to be able to, to find something. I tell guys, find something you love doing and go give it away for free. You know, go, go to the food bank and, and hand out food to homeless people, you know, that's, that's going to keep you from, from, um, finding that, that time to go do something destructive to yourself. And then, um, and the last one is what I've talked about a couple of times, daily practice, daily practice keeps us out of denial. You know, my daily practice looks like this. I, I get out of bed every morning. Um, I make my bed. Um, I hit my knees and I say my prayers. I meditate. Um, I call, I mean, for me, I, you know, I'm on the phone a lot during the day, um, checking on people, having conversations with people about resources and listening to their struggles. Um, and I do a lot of stuff that I don't want to do every day. You know, there's just some things that I don't want to do, but I do. And, um, and I go, you know, I go to meetings and that's, that's what my daily practice looks like. And that, and that keeps me out of denial. So at, at bare bones, that's, that's the solution. Um, you know, um, it, for, for individuals, if that makes sense. Yes, that absolutely makes sense. As a department, what is this? What do you, what do you think could have prevented what happened in LA County without getting into like department well, I, bashing, obviously, but yeah, no, I, let's just make it like any random place. Right. What could have prevented that particular incident from happening? Gosh, Man, I, I just, like I, like I said, I think it just, it comes down to what we're doing as a department and as a culture to support the mental health of our, you know, our members, you know, how are we, or do we have enough training? Do, do people know um, what the resources are? 
do they feel, do they feel comfortable reaching out um, to the people um, on the peer support team to get the help if they're struggling, you know? Um, it, you know, it, it just starts there. The money needs to be spent on, on this kind of resiliency training. And we need more and more of it. We need to make, you know, yoga, meditation. Um, we need to emphasize what self-care looks like. Um, you know, we, we definitely need to hire more people. So we're not mandatory people as much. That has a lot to do with it. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, I don't know at what point, and I don't, like I said, I don't want to get, go down that rabbit hole, but I don't know at what point the decision makers thought that that was a great idea to run their departments, but it happened when I was young and early in my career. And I've had a career of, of mandatories. And it's definitely, if you, if you talk to a lot of guys and gals on the job, it's, it's a, it's a big gripe, you know, yeah. and it's not they what we more of their time on mandatory overtime than they do with their families or their loved ones. And so, right. you know, that's, that's definitely a root of a problem right there. You hit the nail on the head. That's a, that's a big one. And then just, um, I think a lot of people don't, don't know how to identify um, when somebody is, is struggling and we are so good as a culture of pretending we're not pretending really, really good at it. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, so good, you know? And so I think, I think it just, it needs to be, it needs, you know, we just need more training on what, what the signs and symptoms are. I think I, someone in that station um, knew that something was not right. You know what I mean? Right. And those people have to well, maybe they did, maybe they knew, but they didn't really know. Like they, they yeah. could see something was going on, but they didn't know right really no because they didn't know like you said how to identify what was really going on exactly and i think i just we we need to uh i think once we understand that this all this stuff is is a brain injury and that you can recover from it if you get that the right help that um we need to start stop threatening people's jobs <laughs> yeah because yeah. because if i'm if 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 everyone's if your job is threatened when it comes to this stuff then of course, no one's going to talk. No. You know what I mean? Even if, even if I don't particularly like that guy, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go to somebody and say, Hey, I saw this, this, and this, and th you know, knowing that that guy might get fired. Like, I don't want that on my conscience. Right. You know, so we have, well, that and I think it's, I think that's the power of why. Yeah. If a person's doing this, why is it that they're doing it? Right. And how can we help them to stop doing it? Exactly. And that person wasn't always this way. That's right. what blows me away is like, man, you know, what happened? What happened? Right. Over, you know what I mean? What happened over the last however long with that person? I'll tell you what happened. Away. California blew up. That's what happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. California blew up and fire seasons are getting longer and we're responding to much more deadly wildfires than we ever had before. And you yep. know, on, in addition to all of what's going on everywhere during a pandemic. And I mean, I'm there, it's, it's sad and you're right. Like, it's unfortunate. It really is. Well, well there's, you know, like you said, there's a lot going on. It, it takes a long, it takes a long time for us to get, um, it takes a long time for, for us to get sideways. Right. You it's know, not, it's progressive. It's not, it's like a progressive, a slow progression. Yep. Slow enough to, to, to convince a lot of us that it's not happening. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's why we need each other. That's what, you know, when I, when I asked that question, it's like, like I said earlier, like, how do you know you're, you're drifting when the, when the organ used for cognition is, is injured? I'll tell you each other. That's how we tell, you know, Hey, yeah, it's, Hey man, I noticed this, like, dude, yes. what's going on? 100%. And that should be a normal question. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. What's going on? How can I help? Yeah. You're not acting. You're not acting like yourself, bro. Like what's, what's the deal. And, and then it, to build enough, um, to build enough trust, you know, like I said, I was not a very trustworthy person, not a man of my word. And I've just like, that's my number one right, right now. Like I don't, I'm not the guy at the fire station table talking mess about people. I'm not that right. person anymore because I want people to come to me and I carry a lot. I carry a lot of story from people like yeah. a lot. And I just like I, anything you come to me with is always confidential and it's will never be repeated. And it's a judgment free zone. Like I really yeah. don't, I'm out of the judgment business. I don't judge well, people. And I think that should just be, I mean, you should be able to count on the guys sitting with you around your firehouse table, you know? Right. Um, those are the people you're running into fires with. So dude, come on. Exactly. Exactly. We need to take that same mentality to the mental health world, you know, right. take that same mentality and apply it to the whole culture. And now what do we have? Right. Health, <laughs> wellness, <laughs> Yeah. Um, healthy, um, happy retirements. Hello. Right. We're all right. trying to get to, you know, I think 40% of the people that end up in the treatment center are retired. That's yeah. so that breaks my heart. It's like, mm -hmm. really, you should be off like doing your thing now and, and enjoying your life. Like all those years, 30 years of service or whatever. And, and you're, you're yelling at the wife and drinking too much on the couch. It's like super, super sad. It's when yeah. a lot of divorces happen too. Mm -hmm. Is after retirement because there, there hasn't been a relationship that's been built up to that point. It's all, it's been about the department and the job. And right. hiding our feelings and doing all the things. And so, you yeah. know, we get to retirement and we're like, we don't even recognize each other. Right. It's yeah. also the reason why they die a lot earlier after retirement. Was it like five? What was the statistic that I just read recently? Five years after retirement. Yep. yep. That's the average. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just because uh, that's what we have to look forward to. It's like, not me. Right. But, you know. no, like I said, the, like in a previous episode, the thing that I, that like resonated with me was one of my husband's chiefs at a debriefing once said, this job is not going to go with you into retirement. They're not even going to care that you retired. They're going to rubber stamp you at the end of your career and send you on your way. Right. Yep. Don't make your whole life about the job. Yeah. And I don't know <laughs> that. I say, you know what, have something. I got this from Nancy Bull. She's the, the she owns, a, she's a clinician that owns a counseling team international. And she says this in her classes, have something to retire to. Right not retiring from you're retiring too, because, because they're going to fill that seat with someone else. And you're going to be, remember that guy. Sorry. Yep. yep. Well, exactly. they're not even going to remember you. That's right. the thing. Like, unless well, they might, really, but unless you did, I mean, unless you did something like <laughs> really stupid, really stupid yeah. or really heroic, the, yeah. the likelihood that you are going to be remembered at that firehouse 20 years from now is very slim to none, but 20 years from now, your family might still be around. <laughs> you know, exactly. Exactly. And that's, and you bring up the families too, um, man, it's super, super important. A lot of the times forgotten, you know, left out, um, in doing, you know, shepherding and volunteering for Save a Warrior for the last, um, you know, three and a half years. I, uh, I had a lot of the wives, um, calling me and asking me, Hey, you know, so-and-so is back from Save a Warrior. They're doing great. 
you know, but I've been taking care of this mofo and the kids and the house and the finances. And, you know, for the last 10 years, like, what about me? Yeah. Can I, can I come to save a warrior? And I was having to turn a lot of them away, which was like, it didn't sit well with me. I'm like, are you a veteran or first responder? Like, no. And so, um, Dr. Um, Dr. Odom, Shauna Hill, the clinician I was telling you about that saved me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tiffany Atala Hernandez, who's a, who's a clinician at the treatment center. She's worked with first responders a long time. She's married to Mark Hernandez. Shauna was a cop. She's now a therapist that works with first responders. Like we started, um, and my wife, Elizabeth, we started, uh, what we call the Sage retreat. And it's a, it's a four day retreat for spouses. Oh, yeah. Is that and down it, South? Yep. It's in, uh, we hold them in Temecula. Oh, ooh, um, I love Temecula. Yeah. It's, it's on a Owl Creek, uh, Owl Creek farms, really beautiful piece of property that we, um, that we run this, this, this uh, four day retreat that I'm really, really proud of. Like, I love it. And, and like you talk about trust, like, you know, I, I'm it's Dr. Odom and I are the only two men that are up there. And um, the first, I mean, right out of the gate, after we go, go over a few house housekeeping things and talk about, you know, confidentiality and, and all that stuff, we nail that stuff down, do a little um, icebreakers. Um, we, I'm the first one to tell my story and we go around the room and, and it's super, like, it's so cool to get the trust of these women as a first responder male, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you just walk, like, I just open up, you know, I ask them, you know, am, am I safe? You know, it was the first thing I ask them and, and they're all, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just, I lay it all out there, you know, and, and when I become vulnerable, we connect, you know, Brene Brown is correct on that whole thing. And, yes, she um, is. yep. And then we, you know, we spend the, the rest of the time there. Um, you know, they come thinking that they, they're going to learn how to deal with their first responder. And, um, they learn that they have to steal their own mask. Right. And we put, point them in the direction of their own, their own healing, however that looks. And it's super powerful and we've had great results and, yeah, I really, really love it. So it's www.shiftwellness.com is where you can find the signups. We do them bi-monthly right now. Um, there's about 10 women that show up. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm really, really proud of it. Like we got to heal the families too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. That's one of our, uh, that's one of the reasons we started this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Yeah, you guys are doing great work. I, you know, I was super pumped when, when you guys asked me to, to do this. It's like, you know, the, the family portion is, you know, we got to heal everybody, you know, cause there's secondary trauma. That's what we bring home to you, to you guys when, when they're like, what dad is going to walk through that door. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. We just actually interviewed, uh, uh, Aiden, my son, mm-hmm. two episodes back. And that was one of the things that he <laughs> talked about. Like, what, what, what guy am I going to get today? Yep. You know? Yep. And um, I, you know, that's, it'd be interesting to, to hear what my, what the boys have to say. I mean, they've been through it. I mean, it, my, my ex-wife, um, Shannon, she asked, she asked my two of the boys the other day, like, would you ever think about being a firefighter? And I mean, I don't know if this is sad or good, but they're like, no, no way. Yeah. Because they've seen what yeah, I, my, uh, what I got, I, I got two of them saying no way. And one of them saying, let's go. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, don't, I mean, who knows that that might change. There's still, I mean, they're 19, uh, 16 and 14. And, but I think that, you know, they saw, you know, they saw the, 
dad go through some, some struggles. And they, as a matter of fact, like I have five years left and, um, and it's not all rainbows and unicorns. I, I hope I don't, I hope I don't portray that, that I have this thing licked because it's a lifelong commitment journey. I mean, I, I've had, I, you know, I still have issues. I still, I still struggle. Like if I don't keep up on my daily practice, I have meltdowns, you know, and I just, it's, it's never going to go back to the way it was. It's never going to be perfect. Um, but, um, dude, life's a struggle with or without being a right? responder. We all have meltdowns. We, I mean, that's, yeah, that's because you're human. Exactly. Well, I, you know, I didn't think so when I first started the job. <laughs> yeah. You think you're invincible. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. stuff that's, that stuff's not going to happen to me. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No way. I can take it. I can handle it. Yeah. And then you hear, all, you hear all the old guys, like I was at a, on probation my last six months, I was at a station that had a lot of the, the old guys and they were so excited to retire. And I, I just like, I was like, man, it took me so long to get this job. It's so crazy to hear him talk that way. And now I get it. Like I said, I got five years left and, and, uh, and I can't wait to go yeah. off and be able to do this stuff and this stuff only and not have to get up at night and, you know, stress about cutting people out of cars and whatever. Yep. We, my husband jokes about it all the time. Like he, he's got seven years left and he's already got a countdown clock. Like he's right. Looking forward to it. You know, it's just, especially after last year, I think he started the countdown clock. He was just done like mentally just done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much there myself and I gotta, I just, it's even more important that I keep up on this stuff because I don't want to live in the headspace that man, I don't want, I just don't want to go in today. You know, I like, I don't want to be here and I can easily go down that rabbit hole if I'm not careful. I gotta, I gotta stay, um, I gotta stay like, interested in the job however that looks you know for me it's peer support and being there for for the guys and in that capacity and, and offering more training and bringing more solution to this stuff that keeps me engaged or i'll go right on that sorry happy happy has a big bark <laughs> yeah he's a big guy axel come here he uh yeah he's, he's only seven months old and i think he's like 85 pounds Wow. Yeah. Big dog. Sorry. No, totally, totally get it. Okay. So I think Audra, I'm done with, I think you've answered all of my questions and then some. Awesome. I'm a good little talker. <laughs> yeah. We're going to skip the hot seat for time. Um, strengths, but I have one question for you. I do want to ask you what. Uh-huh. This is my one hot seat question for you for the day. What is one thing you would tell your younger self? Oh. Um, to continue to continue to learn um, because you don't have it all figured out, and to be um, to be open. Um, yeah, to be open, honest, and willing, and to not think I had it all figured out. That would be it. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have given us so much information. I swear at one point, I think I stopped breathing because I was listening so intently. 
So if people want to find out more about you, where can we point them? Um, okay, let's see. I have an Instagram. Okay. It's Fireman, it's Fireman Maddie. Fireman Maddie, yep. yep. And then um, my email address is matt.fiorenza, F-I-O-R-E-N-Z-A, at first responder dash wellness.com. Awesome. Okay. And is that also your website? Uh, the website is first responder wellness. Yeah. First responder dash wellness.com. And then there's, um, and then shift wellness for the retreats is www.shiftwellness.com. And that's for the, okay. Yeah. The yeah and there's, and then there's www.savawarrior.com dot org that's for the uh that's for uh, the warrior retreat yep okay awesome yeah stuff well thank you that was uh i've written down like 27 websites i need to check out now Uh. (laughs) all right (laughs) yeah and so you what did you said something right before we started recording i don't know if you want to talk about this really quickly? If you said you you're somebody's coming to oh, yeah. around and you're doing yeah. a documentary. Yeah. So um, uh, his name is Conrad Weaver. It's the name of the documentary is um, PTSD nine one one movie. So PTSD nine one one movie. They have a YouTube. They have um, some information online. Um, there's a Facebook page. So essentially this man, he's, he's really, really great guy He's from Maryland. He was doing uh, a documentary on the opioid epidemic and uh, he was riding along with, um, with, um, with a a law enforcement officer and um, she started opening up to him about her post-traumatic stress. And this guy, such a cool guy, such a lover of, of first responders. He was blown away. He's like, I had no idea that this was going on and the struggles that you guys had. And so he's like, my next documentary is definitely going to be about this. So, so somehow through a friend of mine, uh, through the fire chief in Oakland, they reached out, he reached out to her and he was just trying to, you know, find out who all the players were when it came to, um, you know, wellness and mental health. And so he got in touch with me and, and we, he did an interview with me and decided I was going to be one of the, one of the main people in the, uh, in the film. So he finally raised enough money to put it all together. He's got, like I say, he's, he's had interviews. He's done what they call first responder Fridays for the last year um, interviewing, you know, like I said, a lot of the tip of the spear people that are doing the work. And so um, he's coming out this morning. Actually, my wife just went to go pick him up at the airport. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. And he's going to spend the next four days um, doing interviews with me, following me around and, um, and then doing a ride along at the station with us. Amazing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, five years ago, no one was following me around with a camera. I mean, you know, um, this is, it's, it's still like, I'm still like, wow, like this is, this is my life. This is pretty cool. And then, you know, for me, it's all about the person out there that's suffering. It really is. It's not about Maddie anymore. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I gave that whole thing up a long time ago. And uh, I think a lot about, about other people and think about myself. And when I find that my life is not, um, you know, when my brain's telling me there's not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not going to get what I want and I'm going to lose what I have. 
it's usually because I'm thinking about myself too much and I know how to get out of that, that thought process. And it's, it's to reach out and help the next person. So not about Maddie. I hope that this film helps people. Yeah. I think, I think it, it will. will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it definitely will. Yeah. Well, Matt, we really want to thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Um, you. Honestly, like I've got pages of notes and I don't usually write notes. So <laughs> I'm actually cool. very terrible at it. So I just usually don't. Right. Um, so yes. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Um, we're going to put all of that information of where to find you and all of the things in the show notes for our listeners. Okay. And so, yeah, that's going to be there in the resources. And if you like this episode and you want to continue hearing from us, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thanks, Maddie. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast and online at DearChiefs.com. Tune in weekly for the 25,000-foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. <laughs>